My name is Jonathan Huffnagel. I'm the founder of Dash. We created the Dash podcast to hear from the game day digital auctioneers from around the world of sports. We'll share their ideas, best practices, and success stories so that you can learn from the best and apply their practices to your sports team. For those of you who may not know, Dash is the only digital auction platform built specifically for professional sports teams and their fans. I started Dash after working for FC Dallas at Major League Soccer and noting the struggles of our team's charitable foundation director. We hope you take a lot from this podcast. Everyone, welcome back to another Dash podcast where we love to share ideas, best practices, and success stories um, from the world of Dash Auction and, and, and digital engagement with fans. Today, I have on the phone with me Blake Coddington from the SPHL's Knoxville Ice Bears. Blake, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit up, a little bit about who you are. Um, maybe s- some spots about your sports career, some highlights, and tell us a little bit about your day-to-day. That way we can kind of get a sense of who you are and what goes on in your world. Sure, Jonathan. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, of course. I'm the digital content manager here at the Knoxville Ice Bears, which is just a fun catch-all phrase for anything creative content, social content, media, relations, marketing elements. I hit it all from all the way down to Twitter, Facebook, and Snapchat, all the way up to the billboard advertisements or the TV commercials and radio copy that we send out into the Knoxville community. Right on. So a man that wears many hats. Oh, yeah. I've got a whole rack of hats next to my desk. (laughs) Uh, How did you get into sports, Blake? Uh, Sports has basically been my life, you know, from – from soccer and basketball when I was very young and then baseball and football from there. Athletics were basically required in school if you weren't in chess club. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I played a little bit of college football before I decided that I wanted to pursue a career in sports, transferred to the University of Tennessee here in Knoxville. And the first day I got to Knoxville, I had a meeting with the Vol Network, which is the big marketing firm for UT Athletics. They run their radio broadcast and do a lot of work with the athletic department. Um, it was a very small-scale internship, which was good experience, but it was really just you know, like a toe in the door, so to speak. Uh-huh. And after that, I got an internship with the Tennessee Smokies, the AA affiliate for the Chicago Cubs. And I was a marketing intern for them, and that was an incredible opportunity. I got tons of experience writing radio copy. I had to deal with all of the marketing partners that we had. We shot all of our own commercials, and I learned Photoshop while I was there out of necessity. Um, And my skills just really developed or began to develop really there. Um, I got an unbelievable sense of what the sports world was like from a business perspective and from a behind-the-scenes front office perspective. And then within a week of leaving the Smokies, I was here at the Ice Bears as an intern. And then I became a stipend position to run Game Ops and for the last two seasons been doing all this marketing work for us. So That's fantastic. Uh, every, everything about my college career and professional career has been sports-centric. That's awesome. I love that. So you'll, you're a lifer, huh? You're going to be in this thing forever. No doubt. What Sports is your entertainment? That's, that's all we're here for. What's your uh, dream job real quick? My dream job? Uh-huh. In sports. Oh, well, the uh, 
the long-term goal right now is to move home and take over the take over the helm at the Chattanooga Lookouts. But um, I mean, if the Falcons came knocking, if Arthur, <laughs> Blank was re- if Arthur Blank was ready to tap me, you know, I'll I'll take over in Atlanta. But um, no, I, I'd really like to I'd really like to run a run a minor league baseball team. I love the community aspect of things. I like the the outreach that minor league teams do mm-hmm. because you know the NHL and the the NFL they have massive award shows for the guys who go out into the community and spend all their time doing this and that. But when you've got all the time and money in the world, that's easy to do. It's the small teams that have limited budgets and limited time and limited staff that go out into their respective communities on a small scale and make an impact. And it's that kind of thing that, that really pushed me or keeps me, I guess, in the, uh, in the minor league world. Right. No, that's awesome. That's a great story. Well, anything that we can do or our listeners right now can do to help you get there, uh, we certainly will. So we'll keep you in mind as Chattanooga Lookout opportunities arise, Blake. Um, Go ahead. That's what I hear that. I appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. You let them know. Always, 100%. Your family here at Dash. Um, Well, Quick question for you here. You not quick question, but you're. We want to talk about your day to day. And right now, this point in your season, you're in this transitional mode where the hockey season has just ended several weeks ago. Uh-huh. The next season is coming up in several months. What goes on in your day to day? We were we were talking before um, we hit the record button on the podcast here that you just left your planning meeting for next year. What are some of the digital initiatives that you guys are going to be focused on there in Knoxville for this coming year? And how has some of the seeds that have been planted this past season helped sprout and guide that decisions that you've made today or in the next couple of weeks of what you'll do for next season? Can you share a little bit about that? Sure. Um, you know, you asked first day to day. Um, we always like to joke Everybody always asks, oh, you know, the season's over. What do you what do you even do in the off season? Well, I, I like to use the metaphor um, of producing a, a music album. Mm-hmm. You got to you got to get the artists in. You got to record. You got to produce. You have to put the album artwork together. You have to reorder the songs. You have to make sure everyone's on the same page. And then when it release date comes around, you, you know, there's an outdated reference, but you put the disc in the player and hit play and hope everything works. Mm-hmm. Well, that's exactly what we're doing in the off season. We put all of our effort in May through September, getting ready for the October season. One of the biggest things, as you mentioned, is our promo meeting. We're one of the first teams in the league to have that meeting and to talk about what we're going to do for the year. I'm quite sure that we're the only one who invites partners in the media realm. Uh, we had a couple people from a local news station come in and give their ideas and how what their perspective was. We had our PA announcer, our in arena, in arena host. We have the building managers come into that meeting. And so the ideas that get thrown around are, and the one thing that I always uh, have to do is think of how each of those promotional elements can fit into the website or social media or the mobile apps that we, that we use. The biggest, biggest, go ahead. I was going to say, in that media partner who's coming in, they're sharing all these ideas. What is it that they're looking to do specifically uh, with the Ice Bears? And not in the sense that, you know, 
give us the the detailed example, but from their 40,000 foot view, what is the goal that they're trying to accomplish with you guys? Well, obviously we have, we have our fairly narrowed view because we're in the building and we're in the office and we're the ones having to put it on. Sometimes, you know, unless fans come up to us or unless a media partner or just a, a regular sponsor comes to us and says, Hey, these are the kind of things that work and don't work. We'll never know. And so we invite, we invite all those people to help us, like you said, take the 40,000 foot, you know, the larger view and find ways that we can adapt existing promotions to better, better suit the, the fan base or find ways to combine different promotions that, you know, they might not be the overarching theme of the night, but absolutely fit into the theme. You know, so we've had two wiener dog races a night or a season, excuse me, for five or six seasons. And we also every now and then have a pucks and paws night where mm-hmm. we have animals up for adoption and that kind of thing. Well, we're probably going to combine those this season because it was suggested by a member of the media because sure. it, it's those kind of things that we have so many good ideas. There's only 28 dates for us to squeeze them into. If we've got a list of 56, we've got to, we've got to narrow it down. Right. And the, the outsider perspective on what works with what and how those different things can all kind of be folded into one is extremely valuable to us because we have a more focused view of what we're trying to do. Right. And in the past, let's say two to three seasons, as you're sitting in these planning meetings, has there been, what's been the biggest change? Has it been in in relation to fan engagement? Has it been more of a digital emphasis? Has it been more towards an on-site activation? Um, You mentioned going out into the community. Has, has there been a shift in the way, um, that these meetings are, are skewed and, and planning for, for the, for the coming seasons, what's been the biggest change? Um, I don't know if the, the promotional meeting has had so much of an impact on fan engagement outside of how can we put butts in seats. Uh-huh. Um, the, the biggest changes that I've seen in fan engagement over the four seasons that I've been here are implementing a 21st century mobile application partnering with companies like, oh, I don't know, Dash Auctions, um, and really tapping into the the 21st century attitude of, you know, technology first. Um, I'm big on paper waste in the office. I can't stand when people print three copies of something for themselves. Um, You've got it on your computer screen, that's plenty. Well, one of the big things this year that we're looking to do is um, cut down on the number of roster notes that we print. We're going to put them in your pocket. Pull it up on your phone. That's the easiest way to do anything. Um, I've noticed more often than not, people are watching the game or watching concerts through their phones. I've I've been to 600 concerts already this year just by hopping on Snapchat. (laughs) Uh, It's it's amazing how many people experience their lives through their phones, and that's not something that we can that's not something we can prevent. So we have to we have to throw a saddle on it and hang on for the long ride. Yep. When we, before this, this season that just ended, when you and I first connected, you had, you had said something that has stuck with me the entire year. And I share it with other teams as I'm talking to them. And you had said that, you know, there are 4,000 television screens that walk into your arena 28 plus times a year. 
And it's Uh your job to engage those fans on the television screen. What's interesting is we were on a podcast yesterday um, with another team from uh, New England, Connecticut area. And I asked her, where's the biggest emphasis for you guys? And they said it's video. And I said, well, that makes total sense. You know, we can we can watch a lot of video in any length that at any time that we want, whether we're at a game or sitting at home on a Friday night with nothing to do. And what's great is not just video can come through these mobile devices, but people can listen to the game. They can interact with other fans during the game on, on several different platforms like Twitter, Snapchat, like you said, Instagram, even Facebook. There's there's teams out there that will bring in fans, put them in a closet at the arena and just let them have fun on social all night long, engaging with other fans who are in the arena that night which is really, really cool. So how do you guys engage your fans on a mobile device, those 4,000 mobile devices during your games? Um, One of the biggest ways is through social media. Um, We have a different staff member or intern operating each of our different social media platforms so that, you know, myself, who is in charge of making sure that these things all work well throughout the game night, I, I don't have the ability to post on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat simultaneously. Even if I had four phones, I'm two hands and three brains short of making that work. Uh-huh. Um, the big, I mean, the biggest thing is to keep yourself relevant on social media because that's what people are checking in the intermissions. That's what people are checking in the after a whistle or a media timeout if if they choose not to pay attention to the exciting, fun promotional game we have going on. They check their phone. Mm-hmm. Um, another way, another way that we try to engage people, and we picked up more on it uh, later in the season, was the in-app game elements. Okay. Um, one of one of the two of the big big sellers for us are our guess the attendance promotion, where we give away tickets for being the closest to guessing the attendance. That's cool. And, and we do a prediction of the game, where if you're the question changes on a nightly basis. Sometimes it's who will have the first goal, who will have the first assist, will our goalie have more or less than 30 saves, different things like that. And we pick a fan to give them a prize for the prediction of the game. Right. And how many of those digital activations are you doing on your mobile app per game? Is it just those two? Uh, well, it's those two are the big ones, and we're hoping to – if. If we can, uh, if we can make Dash and our mobile app work in unison, and I think we can make that happen over the summer, uh-huh. um, we're, we're going to hopefully be able to sell raffle tickets for our different promotions as well. We do a jersey off the back every night where a fan can buy a five dollar ticket to take home an authentic um, and often game worn jersey having the ability to sell a ticket from your phone so that you can stay in your chair would make that tenfold um, more effective. Right. Um, You Go ahead. I'm sorry. And and the other thing is uh, the game center that we just implemented towards the end of the year that includes point streak stats, the live broadcast when we have one, and then a link to watch the game. You know, if if you're not at the game, the link to watch obviously is, is, a big a big sell but sometimes i know at least uh, my dad and my grandfather when they go to youth football games they take a radio a handheld radio yeah. or i guess now you can just use your phone but they want to listen to 
they want to listen to the radio broadcast. They want to listen to Bob call the game. Right. They don't want to listen to the fans screaming about whatever they're screaming about. Um, well, same thing happens here. Joel, uh, Joel Silverberg, our play-by-play guy, he's fantastic, and sometimes he's he's always entertaining to listen to. So uh, I'm hoping more and more fans will start to tune into that radio broadcast, even though they're in the arena. Right. You talk about your dad and your grandfather going to the games and listening on the radio. You know, it, it's it's interesting because it really hasn't been until recently that we've been able to provide the types of digital engagement experiences that you're speaking to um, with fans in arenas. It's only been about three to four years that we've been able to do it. You know, several reasons, you know, one cell phones just haven't been powerful enough to deliver that type of experience. And really cell phone networks haven't been powerful until recently enough to deliver that great type of experience. But what you guys are doing here in Knoxville is is very innovative. It's very forward thinking in the sense in your digital world, while people are in the game, you're actively trying to engage them as opposed to where you see a lot of teams and where, where pretty much every team is doing right now in their digital engagement. It's very much a passive engagement. It's the get the Facebook like if you get a comment, that's a little bit of engagement, but it's not a lot. What you guys are doing is telling people, come back to our app 10, 20, 30 times a game. Stay on the app the entire time and listen to the game while guessing what the attendance is or purchasing a raffle ticket, which I think is great because that component right there is a, a digital revenue stream that um, – it's been a part of the game day environment for a long time. You've just found a way to make it efficient and broaden your audience too. And every time that fan walks, every time that fan purchases a raffle ticket, well, they just paid you for their contact info. I mean, you think about you think about the old school activations that still go on in sports widely, where if I'm a fan, I'm going to the UT game. I walk in the door and even before I walk in the door, I'm getting hit by people who want me to sign up to win a car. Right. Or banner advertisements that are flying around the arena. Once I walk in, once I walk in, I've got four or five other brands trying to do that, too. And I'm I'm avoiding that. I know exactly why I'm avoiding it, because I'm going to give them my phone number. They're going to call me. They're going to email me. And I don't want to do that. But what you guys are doing is giving fans an emotionally engaging opportunity to actually pay you for their contact info. Right. And, you know, like you said, the people that hit you up as you're walking into a game to sign up to win a car or something, for some reason, they still come at you with a clipboard and a pen. If you, if you, if you put an iPad in my face when I walk through the door, I might punch around a little bit. Right. It's it's something about having to seek out the person with the clipboard and, oh, does the pen, is the pen going to work? And, are they actually going to pick me? And it's just, oh, it's going to take six extra minutes. And I really want a hot dog. Yes. And it's kind of just, if, if you make it simple and everything's integrated together, you know, if, if you could tweet Facebook, Snapchat, and Instagram things all with the push of one button, you'd never get people off their phones. Uh-huh. So the same goes for our mobile app. If, if we want them to, cast the attendance and we want them to play in the prediction of the game and we want them to buy raffle tickets and now that we're expecting to have a brand new video board and three new wireless cameras and a switcher hopefully we'll be able to give you real-time replays 
um, on your on your phone through the mobile app. And mm-hmm. as as much of a pain as it is to see people out in the world buried in their phone instead of engaging with the people around them, that's not something that we're going to stop. So we're right. just going to we're going to take advantage of it instead. Right, right. Where in the next five years do you see the biggest traction? Um, in digital engagement, what do you think the mobile app will become for professional sports teams? Uh, I think the mobile app will almost become the voice of the team. Um, there's there's so many there's so many apps in the world, you know, and everybody's always got a new idea. But just like any other industry, they begin to consolidate over time. You know, there's 58 dating apps. Well. Eventually, some of them become obsolete. They get narrowed down and narrowed down. They get bought out, whatever it is. Uh, Sprint and T-Mobile, two of the biggest uh, cell phone providers in the world, you know, they're merging together now. Uh, right. I, I believe that that trend, is, I mean, that's that's a timeless trend, is the consolidation and the simplification of our world. In the world of sports... You know, we've got we've got our mobile app, and then we have our website. We have all of our social media, and then we have Dash Auction app that we have links through our app. I imagine that team apps will have all of the bits and pieces integrated into their mobile app, so that you never have to leave. If you're watching the game and you see the replay content on your timeline on the Ice Bears mobile app. There should be a one or two button system to tweet that out on your personal profile. Right. And you know, there's no reason that you, there's no reason in the 21st century in 2018 that you should have to hit a button, copy a link, close that app, open a new app, hit new tweet, paste <laughs> the tweet, and then put your comment. And double, double tap on your home screen 10 times right. to do all that. I agree with you. I think you're hitting home on on something that's very top of mind for people who are, you know, let's say 10 years into their sports career, right? You and I know that this is a trend that's coming. However, there are um, people at the very top of these organizations, not just in minor league, but NFL, um, AHL, lacrosse, whatever it may be, who are a little bit slower to transition it. And in the long run, that may end up hurting that franchise. Now, for individuals who who get it, like us right now on this phone, who their team hasn't quite made the jump to creating a mobile app, because maybe they don't even know what it's going to become. How, how, how can you justify making that type of an investment for a team to spend the money to go build the app? And then in addition to that, monetizing different types of components that live inside that app that make the change in the effort worth it. Right. Well, you know, you say monetizing that app and that's, that's the entire world that we live in. Um, having ways for fans to purchase tickets to the game and to buy a jersey that was from the game last night where we scored 10 goals wearing SpongeBob jerseys. And that's not hyper hyperbole. That's in fact. They were selling for $600. Yes. Yeah. They, they went big and they were bright, obnoxious SpongeBob yellow and they sold like crazy. Um, that's the, that's the kind of thing that if you can make it work in your app and we 
thankfully found a way to get Dash on our mobile app um, this season, which helped a lot of people commit to the online auctions, even some of the older the older crowd who are stubborn about live auctions, uh-huh. um, they are starting to adapt and adopt the technology. Um, I have it, you know, here in my notes. It's it's no longer the the baby boomers who are spending all the money. It's Gen X, Y, and Z that are you know having families and coming out into the community and spending all of their money. Well, those are the generations that have grown up either were growing up when technology began to make its big jump or have never known a single day in their life without smartphones. Right. It's those people that we're now trying to target and keep bringing back into into the fold. Blake, you're bringing up one of the most common objections that I get as I talk to teams and about digitizing auctions. One of their Mm -hmm. biggest concern is that you know, their their core fan base is are baby boomers. And yes, they have all the discretionary income, but they don't use mobile phones, which is, in my opinion, I think that's probably um, I don't think that's true. But I agree with you there. people listening to you now need to understand that the Knoxville Ice Bears are part of the Southern Professional Hockey League. It's it, Blake is not talking about the Gen Ys and the Gen Xers at the Atlanta Falcons level, right? With millions and millions of Facebook followers, we're talking about a digitally engaging fan base at the Southern Professional Hockey League and doing it at a level that's better and more engaging than most of the leagues that are out there right now. And that's just a fact. And especially especially on a smaller scale, we're not just talking about getting – some guy from Chattanooga who works in Knoxville who happens to be an Atlanta fan to communicate with a guy in Texas. We're talking about people who live across the street from each other, engaging with each other and sharing their, you know, sharing their ideas about the team and showing each other pictures. And even our, our Facebook page, our actual team page feels like a fan page after you post certain pictures because it's, Oh my goodness. I love him. You know, I saw him at, Lenny's sub shop the other day and had a 15 minute conversation with this player and you know they share about it and you know I, I took my nephew to his first hockey game last weekend and we had so much fun and then 15 other people who are friends with them and live in their neighborhood or whose kids go to school with their kids they all want to come to the ice bears because you know joe smith down the street had such a good time right and, right and that's that's kind of where you can keep your your older uh your older demographics engaged because, you know, let's be real. Facebook is a much older technology. It has a much older demographic than it used to. Um, I remember uh, having to ask one of my high school friends to invite me to join Facebook because you had to have a .edu to yeah. sign up. Um, well, nowadays, you know, mom and grandma are on there, so those those fans are still getting engaged. But the the mobile app world and the social media applications those are basically designed for the last couple of generations the last two or three generations because technology is the easiest way to communicate with the most number of people right and it keeps you being efficient um and broadens your reach as well yeah it makes total sense so for those teams who are still on the fence that you know baby boomers don't use smartphones 
if you could share some wisdom with them of how you engage that demographic in a digital world so that they could generate their own traction, what would you say has been number one or number two uh, most successful digital initiatives for the club there in Knoxville? Uh, some of the biggest ones, at least the biggest initiatives to, to keep our older fans involved um, aren't necessarily digital aspects. Uh -huh. um, we, we use our digital assets to promote different events, but like the away game viewing parties that we do, the crowd is skewed much older because, you know, on a Thursday night to go out to a restaurant at seven or eight o'clock to watch a hockey game, that's not really the world of the 22 to 35 year olds. Uh -huh. So we use our digital assets to reach out to them because they still, you know, they still use Facebook. They are maybe using Twitter, but we've, we've got to keep them interested in the team more than they're interested in the content that we're posting. You know, the, the pictures and the videos that we post that get all the likes and tweets and whatever they're getting and the shares are targeted towards the younger generations. And that's just the way of the world. Um, as far as the, the older crowd goes, we try to encourage them, especially in game with the mobile app, the, you don't have to get out of your chair mentality. Mm -hmm. if, if we can make it simple for you guys, if we can make it so that you don't have to fight the crowd and almost get knocked over by the six-year-olds running around on their way to Cub Club to go play floor hockey, that incentivizes them to download the app or to have their granddaughter download it for them and actually engage with the promos that they still want to be a part of right. uh, the jersey off the bat, the guess the attendance, the prediction of the game. The we have a jukebox now. You know, I have I have a set playlist um, for the in arena music, and we try to adjust our music for the theme of the night. But sometimes, you know, we're we're going to play music that's relevant to the players because that's what they get hyped for. Well, sometimes, you know, there's a old man in the crowd who's got a good idea for a song that was written in 1963. It could be a banger and it could be something worth playing. But yeah. if you if you don't hop on, if you don't hop on the mobile app, click on the jukebox and punch in the title and artist, you know, we, we can't help you out. And it's the I think it's the sim the simplicity of engagement with the mobile app. And the more integrated it can be, the simpler it gets. Right. Well, that's those examples are, are brilliant. I think we can all relate to getting run over by a six-year-old wanting to go play hockey um, at a hockey game. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's just a great example. I love it because it just go, it goes on in arenas all across the country all the time. And, and uh, Speaking of children running, that's not just like the one kid running the Cub Club. We actually have a media break activity where the kids start in one corner of the arena and chase the mascot around the stand, around the arena. It's clear the aisles. Here comes Chili Bear Fun Run. Watch out! And it's Sound the alarms. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, even if we have if we have a solid crowd, you know, the four thousand to forty five hundred in an arena that only holds five thousand on a good day, there's three or four hundred kids piled up waiting to chase the fuzzy bear around the arena for no other reason than it allows them to run. Well. If Grandma Joe is trying to get a spoonful of ice cream in the intermission, she's going to get decked if she steps out. You know, there's just you've got to you got to find ways to engage people, but also keep it as simple as possible so uh -huh. that 
they're they're not inconvenienced in their minds or inconvenienced in the real world. And now they're kind of becoming a part of the game day experience. They know exactly. what's they know what's going on. Cool. Those are for the young kids to run around. Now for baby boomers and grandma, here's what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do it on the mobile app. I'm going to bid on a jersey. That's $350, 350 bucks. Exactly. Brilliant. I love it. Well, Blake, you're sharing a ton of knowledge today. Um, uh, your examples are, are spot on. I think most people listening to this right now can relate to many of them, uh, which is great because there's a lot of teams out there who, you know, they think that, you know, our fan base is a little different. Well, they, they may be a little different, but they're still human. Uh, just like you and I, all across the country and all across the world. Um, as it relates to, you know, just a couple more questions here because I know you're very busy today. A couple questions around um, auctions. There's a lot of teams who have not quite dipped their toes in digital auctions yet. They may be very comfortable with the post-game live auction um, or the pen and paper auction that takes place on the concourse. Um, we've even seen teams who have gone digital, who have gone back to pen and paper because it just didn't work for them. What are maybe three at the most, um, and you don't even have to get to that number, um, I, I wouldn't say ideas and success stories that you can share, but what are those checkbox items um, that those teams need to consider to ensure that making the leap to digital is going to be worth it for them and successful um, from the get-go? One of the big ones for us, um, especially because we are you know, a smaller organization, we can't afford to fly the moms and dads of the players into the games. You know, The players can't afford to do it either. One of the biggest things that I've heard is when we do have a live auction, I'll, I will have to field anywhere from three to 15 phone calls or emails from parents saying, hey, are any of those jerseys going to be online? Mm -hmm. And I have to say, no, actually, this this uh, go around, we're only doing these live. And, you know, you got a disappointed mom or dad of a player who wants to buy their kid's jersey. So that's one very – it's a small nucleus of people who want to all of them to be live because, you know, they want to buy their kid's jersey. Um, the other side of it is, at least from my perspective, if you don't hire the – fast-talking, rambling auctioneer, or if you don't have an ADD Red Bull-fueled person that can talk, talk fast enough to make it sound like they're one of those auctioneers, uh -huh. live auctions in the, in the realm of minor league sports can be kind of a snooze. You get all these fans at 11 o'clock at night after a long game. Maybe you got beat. And, you know, half of them left in the end of the second period because we were getting torched on the ice. And you got to convince them to squeeze into two sections and they got to walk all the way around the arena. And, you know, a lot of teams, they don't hand out numbers. They just hope that somebody will flag you down with a jacket or a seat cushion. Um, actually, it was the greatest thing that happened all year. The one live auction, I had a guy that had a flashlight that kept buzzing my eye. <laughs> The first couple of times I was like, really, buddy? But after that, he, I mean, he ended up buying two or three jerseys, and it was actually extremely helpful. But he was professional, of it, a professional yeah, bidder. He, he knew what he was doing. But <laughs> for the most part, the live auctions just, I don't know about the fans necessarily, because every now and then there'll be people that know each other that kind of get in the bidding war, and they'll laugh back and forth about the fact that they just bid each other up 200 bucks. Mm -hmm. um, but 
for me and a lot of the other people um, that I've spoken to about the live auctions, they're just boring. It's, it's, it's not that exciting unless you've got, you know, a big win and a really cool jersey and a lot of people there bidding. On the off chance that you don't do well on the ice and a lot of people leave and maybe the jersey isn't as cool as some of the other ones, the numbers just plummet. Right. I've found that the Dash jerseys and really anything that we put on Dash, the numbers are always more consistent. There's always going to be the few that, you know, get 30, 50 bucks over the starting price. But we had one go for almost $800 on our blackout jerseys. Uh-huh. And we ran that one almost all season. Uh, but just the, the total sales were so much more consistent from Dash than they were live. That's awesome. And that, that's, that's a big one for us. That's awesome. It's, it's all about consistency. We can, we can budget for all these jerseys, you know, and some of them can, you can get up anywhere to the 10 and $12,000 for a run of, you know, 20, 25 jerseys. If, if you're not doing just tons and tons of money on them, then you're in trouble. You're really in trouble. So the consistent factor and knowing that if we put them on dash, we can expect to see about this much money. Right. That, that, that's huge. That's a huge selling point for me to take up the ladder and say, I think we should do this Jersey live and these three or these four on, on dash. Right. Blake, as it comes to using auctions, inside your mobile app during the game day experience, how will you use them to amplify the experience uh, for next season? That's the final question. We'll let you go. Sure. Um, one of the big ones that we've talked about and that we want to implement, and uh, we're actually working on expanding our broadband capabilities in this very, very, very old building, um, is the ability to do live items. Uh, broken sticks, goal pucks, um, whatever it is, we'd like to do more things as they happen. Uh-huh. And I, goal pucks, um, there is another team in the SBHL that at the end of the night, they would add three or four whatever pucks um, signed by the player to dash, but immediately following the game. Or there were a couple other teams I saw that did um, – game use sticks if you know a goalie breaks his stick or you know goal sticks wear out pretty easily um you got to replace everything uh, and they would put them on at the end of the game well we want to be able to have a push notification go out through our mobile app that hey that goal that just scored 35 seconds ago you can buy that puck right now yeah, and, and walk home with it. That. Yeah, you'll, you'll walk home with it tonight. It will be autographed by the guy who scored the goal, and that puck is yours. Same thing with a broken stick. You know, some guy takes a big clapper from the from the point and breaks his stick in half, and, you know, and everybody oohs and ahs about it. And then it goes in a dumpster or it gets turned into a tool in, you know, back in the shed. Uh-huh. Well, mm-hmm. I'm going to keep them out of the garbage bin this year and sell them on dash. Right. Right. Have the, have the guy sign the tape and, you know, we'll sand down the sharp edges and then that sticks yours. Yeah. That's uh, 
that's awesome point right there. It, it's a great way to leave the conversation here, which is, what you're speaking about is exactly why we started Dash. It's to help change the way that fans get their hands on sports memorabilia, which is directly from the games they're attending in the moments that these items make history and to have the ability to go to the pro shop or meet your favorite player, get that piece of memorabilia, take it home with you, and be able to share the story of how you acquired that that puck or that stick or that goalie glove from that night has just turned that fan into a lifelong brand ambassador and a story that they will tell for many, many years. And it's perfect. It's, it's perfect. And, and in, just to the same point is this year, as much as we've we run the the auctions on Dash. You know, we have a game on a Friday, and then Monday morning the jerseys go on sale. Mm-hmm. Well, as soon as from now, uh, I think at least a few times this season, we plan on announcing the jersey on a Thursday and showing it off, and then on Monday morning before the Friday night game, putting them on Dash. That's awesome. Yeah. And so people can already have bids on them before they come into the game, and then during the game when somebody scores a goal drops the gloves for a fight whatever it may be whatever it is that jersey's value increases significantly because you have the ability to bid on it right after something cool happens you know like you said drop the gloves in a fight you know there there goes a couple hundred bucks right there right and and you've got someone behind the scenes with your mobile app sending out the push notification in the moment that fans are most engaged and emotional and excited and high-fiving their neighbor and an intern could do that and bring instant value to the organization absolutely it's on it's awesome i love it well blake Thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your knowledge. This has been a fantastic podcast. Um, for those listening who may have tuned in a little late, uh, we're speaking with Blake Coddington, the digital content manager for the Knoxville Ice Bears. Blake, have an awesome day. Thank you again for your time, and we will talk very soon. No, thank you, Jonathan. Go Ice Bears. Dash fans, again, and as always, thank you for listening to another Dash podcast. We hope you've taken some good notes and look forward to seeing them in your auction playbook this season. If you're thinking about taking your team's auctions digital and want to talk about it, you can get a hold of us at email team at dashapp.io. Until next time, Dash fans, don't forget, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Now go out there and make it a great day.